from runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 362, Gradual DevOps with guest Steve Evans. Recorded Thursday, March 13th, 2014. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pwop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. I'm your host, Richard Campbell, and uh, what do we got to say today? Uh, I've got the Facebook page up and running for Run As Radio, so if you want to check it out, just go to facebook.com slash runasradio. Uh, we post each episode up there with some notes, and you can comment there, and if uh, we see some comments that we like, uh, we'll read them on the show. Today, my guest is Steve Evans, and he's been, well, he's been on the show a bunch of times, actually. How many years has it been now that you've been messing around with this stuff? 13, 14? I'd rather not say. <laughs> and you are an MVP, but I don't know what in. Uh, I'm now an MVP in ASP.NET IIS. Oh, really? Specifically the specifically the IIS part. Really? Okay. Then I'm a, I'm a I'm an MVP in ASP.NET IIS, but more specifically the ASP.NET part. So between the two of us, we may actually be legit for an MVP. You should uh, you should come come hang out with the IIS guys. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Well, you know, it's one of those technologies that definitely straddles the line between operations and development. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's about um there's about four of us, at least at Summit, and we get together um the IIS product team has one day right. where they, they come to Summit and, and do some sessions. And the last couple of years now, there's been about they've outnumbered us about two to one. The so ASP.net guys? Well, the IIS, oh, the IIS team. Oh, I get yeah, it. Yeah, the yeah. IIS team. Exactly, exactly. There'll be about four or five MVPs and, and ten to fifteen people from the product group. So it's a really cool experience. Yeah, I, I do really it, enjoy getting insight from those guys. You know, just getting a chance to see what they're thinking and where they're going. Um, Scott Forthsize, another uh, IIS MVP. Yeah, but he he's actually a smart one, unlike <laughs> me. I just I just ride his coattails. He is really uh, a smart when, guy. Yeah. When, whenever I get a tough question, I just defer to him. Nice. Um, I just handle the simple ones. That's a good good plan. So what have <laughs> you been doing these days, my friend? Uh, so, so for my day job, I'm managing a, a DevOps team at a biotech here in Silicon Valley. Interesting. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's funny. There's, a, there's this joke of, you know, I've always had ADD. Uh, they just didn't have, they didn't have a word for it when I was growing up. Right. So it hadn't, you know, it hadn't been invented yet type thing. And one could say I've always kind of been a DevOps type person. And, and I think you're, well, you're the same wave. Yeah. You know, we kind of straddle that fence and I've always spoken at developer conferences. Um, you know, I've had Visual Studio on my computer since, uh, early in my career. Um, so it's just been, it's been nice that someone's invented what I did in the last, Four just or five years. Gave so it a can, name. Right, exactly. I used to just call it high-performing teams, right? If you're going to make a website that goes really, <laughs> really fast, it has a great team behind it. There's no other way to do it. But apparently, that's DevOps. Yeah. I mean, for me, originally, it was uh, 
I was pre PowerShell. So it was, uh, you know, I needed to, to write some, I needed to, I needed to manipulate about 2000 objects in AD and seemed like the easiest way to do that was, you know, fire up visual studio and write some C sharp code. Right. Um, mostly cause I couldn't stand VB script, which was kind of the, the de facto it scripting tool at the time. Yeah. And, and, and hard to take, you know, it's not so much that it's hard to write a script in VB script. It's just hard to maintain it, hard to keep it in a safe repository, hard to share it with anyone else. Like that, the, there's a lot of evil that goes into these scripts hidden away on hard drive somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But you know, once you kind of get that notion that I can do more than what the mouse provides me. Right. That, you know, when, once your, your brain opens up to that possibility of I can do more than, than, you know, just one at a time operations. And I think PowerShell did that for a lot of IT pros of, you know, oh, I can, I can write this, this PowerShell one liner that finds, you know, whatever finds every AD account with an expiring pa- or non expiring password, for example. Right. Um, it really opens up a lot of doors. Um, and that's always been kind of my approach to what DevOps is. I, I, you know, there's, I think a lot of people, especially on the IT pro side, they hear, they hear the, the flickers and the Netflixes with, you know, deploying, you know, a bunch of times a day right. and chaos monkey with Netflix and all that kind of stuff. And they think, well, unless I'm, unless I'm at that level, yeah, unless, unless I'm I, Netflix, you know, I don't need that. Or, or I, I can't do it unless I'm going to go all the way to, everything's configuration by code and you know everything is super automated and i've i've kind of got this philosophy of of devops is i mean at the end of the day devops is bringing development and operations together and if the thing your company struggles with right now is creating dns entries then start there right you know and but if the thing your company struggles with is deploying the site then start there um I, I, I see a lot of people, especially in the IT space, they view DevOps as, you know, this really black box magic, unicorns, rainbows type thing. Um, and so they just, they don't try at all. And I think DevOps, you know, I don't think it's a department. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a thing you do. I think it's more just a way of life. It's right. just a philosophy of, you know, Dev people and, and IT people or ops people are really, you know, they fell from the same apple tree. Right. And it's really, we need to combine forces to fight against, you know, finance and marketing and things like that. <laughs> there are bigger enemies out there. <laughs> That's your answer, huh? But I appreciate this idea. I, I, I'm totally with you on this idea that a lot of people are looking at DevOps as this big bang thing. And then one day we were DevOpt. Right. As opposed to sort of a gradual indoctrination or gradual implementation. I mean, what does it, are you just describing doing a little automation here and there to, to improve things? Well, I mean, I think, I think DevOps definitely has, um, it definitely lends itself to being an automation. Um, so if, if we think of DevOps as a team, right. We, you know, thinking of them as people who are going to work on automation, I think that's definitely a logical, um, assumption there, but I think there's a lot more, I think there's a lot of non-technical stuff related to DevOps. Sure. I think building relationships is probably the biggest thing a DevOps team can do. And I, I find myself, and you know, I'm, I'm on the management team, so it, maybe it changes my perspective a little bit, but I find myself spending most of my time going out 
developing relationships um, and helping helping the development team understand what the infrastructure team's doing and vice versa and making sure those pieces fit together when, you know, six, 12 months from now. Um, and, and so I think there's a, you know, I don't think it's all about what tool do you use? What automation framework do you have? Um, I think a, a big piece of it is, you know, getting the right people in the room talking about the right problems, um, getting the right process in place, even if that process is a manual process. Right. And in fact, that's a strategy we use a lot of, you know, I have, I have people on my team that they're, they're really good at dividing processes and, um, working with people and they're not the most technical people, um, in it, but they're really good at, okay, here's this process and here's this, now it's a documented process, completely manual. Um, but, but we now have defined the process of, um, something that's that spans between development and it and, and then from there then we can start looking at okay where does it make sense to automate that process right um or you know automate the whole thing but you know i think it's really hard to automate something unless you know how to do it manually first right so you know i i think it goes well beyond automation yeah i think automation tends to be the thing you can grab onto because it's a particular task these softer skills of encouraging an appropriate culture and working through a process they're just harder to deal with but if you don't yeah. do those things and the tool doesn't make sense anyway it's never going to do the right thing yeah yeah and i and I, I think it's really easy as it people as technical people regardless of of your flavor of technical right to focus on the technical problems yeah and, and yeah there's a lot of technical i mean that's ultimately what our skill sets are is technical skill sets but you know i can't 10 years from now it was funny. I was, I was, uh, I was at a vendor event a couple nights ago and this guy said to me, yes, if, if I'd looked at uh, desired state configuration and I said, yeah, we're keeping an eye on it. You know, maybe in six, 12 months, we'll, we'll kind of start to play with it. He's like, you know, you're, you're a funny MVP. Most MVPs I know, they tell you, you got to learn this thing within six months or you're going to be out of a job. <laughs> and I think the only thing I can't imagine, you know, putting you out of a job 10 years from now is, is staying so focused on the technical. Right. I think if you want to advance your career, if you want to stay relevant, it's move past the technical into the non-technical stuff. And it's the bringing those two things together that really make you, you and, and your, your company as a whole successful. Well, there's, you, there always is a need for teams. There's always a need for understanding. Technology constantly changes on you. So, you know, if you define yeah. yourself by your ability to modify group policy objects in AD, when that tool changes, you're no longer valuable. Right. Yeah, exactly. And we saw the same thing with cloud. Um, you know, I, I think IT pros have stopped freaking out about the cloud as much. Right. Um, but, you know, five years ago, it was like, oh my God, the cloud's going to take away my job. And uh, my point was always, well, if your job is right-clicking and saying create new user, you're right. Yeah. But that's not a very good job to have anyways. So, you know, move past that. And, um, you know, the, the value that IT pros pro provide go, go well beyond the racking of the server and installing an OS. Yeah. Hopefully. I, I You know, I have fond memories of the days when, 21U servers showed up and we spent the whole day racking and cabling. You know, that that was kind of fun, but you just don't do that anymore. 
Yeah, I, I actually, I feel the exact opposite way. I've never, <laughs> you never like that. I do that. not have fond memories of that. No, I, <laughs> it, it's funny that the company I'm at now, I've been there for about two years and it was a while before I stepped foot in the, in the data center. Um, you know, it's just cause why it's just cold and loud in there <laughs> or on a bad day, it's hot and loud. So, I mean, I, 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 that really does not appeal to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and now, you know, if you actually need to buy your own hardware, and that's a debate all by itself, you could buy it pre-racked and ready to go. Right. And, uh, right. and it, but it's so much easier to provision in the cloud. Sure. And, you know, the reality is, is there's always going to be on-prem requirements. For example, sure. I work at a biotech and so we have a, we have labs and it doesn't really make sense for that lab to have its infrastructure running in the cloud. Um, because they kind of function as a unit and and then you know there's some integration with with um we're working on some integrations with cloud premised solutions um so you know there's always going to be on-prem stuff sure i think hybrid um, is going to be the normal uh, yeah exactly I, I i i guess someday it will probably not be i'm sure someday we'll see much more of a on-prem stuff being more and more rare right um but I, you know, it's going to take some number of years. The only problem I have with this whole uh, gradual DevOps thing is that all of a sudden everything you do, you could sort of tag as, oh, that's doing some DevOps. Like, do you, how do you set some guidelines around this is actually moving us towards a bigger goal? I think the question is the answer right there, which what is the bigger goal? Right. And, and so, yeah, you, you definitely have to stop and think, okay, 12 months from now, where do I want to be? Um, you know, do I want my developers to be able, you know, what's my pain point? How do I solve it? Is it, um, I, I think a common pain point that will resonate with a lot of people is, you know, time, time of delivery of a VM, you know, just a, just a VM, a web server or, or a SQL server or something like that. Right. You know, I, I think if you went and asked a developer, you know, what, what do you hate the most about IT? They would say, oh, well, in the morning, I figured out I need to test this piece of code, and it takes me three days to get a VM, an environment where I can test it on. Um, so back to the, the question. So if we say, well, in the next 12 months, we want to we provide a platform by which developers can quickly and easily test their code, then you know, map out what's required to do that. You know, maybe it's we need to start looking at at Amazon Web Services or Azure, and uh, provide some management framework around that to allow developers to quickly spin up environments and have a process by which you manage that lifecycle. Well, if that's the case, then you know, go sprinkle sprinkle your DevOps fairy dust on that problem and make it happen over the course of however long. Um, so you know, yeah, you still have to. It's 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 a uh, it's, you still have to have some long-term vision, um, but that long-term di- vision doesn't have to be, you know, everything's done from the command line, everything's 100% automated, uh, or otherwise I'm a failure. And I think that's that's kind of the trap we're falling into right now. Well, I think, you know, isn't it always the way it's like there's a, we set a goal post. It's like until we've done everything, we'd ever reach the goal. I just don't see this as actually having goal posts. It's constantly working on improving the process. Yeah, 
Sure. I, I completely agree. I, I do think you have to have some goalposts. You have to have, you have to be able to look back and say, we moved in some form of a contiguous line right. towards a better world. Um, I, I think one of the, the trappings you can end up in is, you're right, you could almost give everything the DevOps hashtag, and next thing you know, your team is bogged down with every possible thing to make the world a better place. And, you know, it, when everything when everything becomes a, a priority for the team, nothing is a priority, and right. you don't actually have something to hang your hat on. Um, so, you know, you got to have some long-term vision and you got to kind of acknowledge that there's good ideas outside of this six-month marker, um, but we want to get to that six-month marker. Um, for, you know, going back to the the provisioning of VMs yeah. quickly and easily, um, you know, if, if you if you can create an environment, if you could spend the next six months, if you could really focus in this next six months, create an environment where developers can, on their own, have the environments they need provisioned automatically. Right. I think I see two pieces here. One is, can I provision VMs faster, which is three days yes. just too long? Can I get it done in 15 minutes? And then right. can I let the developers self-serve? Yep. Yep. Yeah, there's definitely... Sure. Absolutely. The 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 point being, if you can do that, how many hours do you save yourself every week? Yeah, and then you know, if you think of the, if you think of that as technical debt, and you pay you, you then pay off that debt, well, now you have capital to spend on something else. Sure, and there's just no lack of things to spend that capital on. Like I never have this feeling. Ooh, if I get rid of this, they're just not going to need me anymore. There's always more to do. <laughs> yes, yes. There's I. <laughs> and I think maybe that's uh, one of the challenges of our industry is, yes, there's always more to do. Yeah. And and there's always things to make better and other stuff to look at. Like, I'd really like, I'd like to get to a place, and I see really successful organizations like this, where IT actually is no longer in the pounding surf of one crisis to another. But they actually have time to survey the land and sort of do this head up exercise of, are we going in the right direction? Do we have a bigger plan? You know, is it time to restructure things as opposed to I'm just answering the phone and trying to keep the building from burning down in the process. Yeah. And, and you know, I think a, a lot of the times when we join new companies, that's the, the boat we're in initially. Yeah. Not always, but you know, I, I guess I, I found that that's the company I enjoy joining um i don't like them to be too mature where they've kind of got things figured out but i like them to be past the point of kind of like startup mentality of we just got to get something out the door tomorrow to stay in business and i totally respect that that type of company it's just i find that that's not where my skill set's useful sure i kind of like that in between and moving a company from the yeah we're just answering the phone as quickly as possible putting right. on a fire to to, yeah, you know, if we didn't do anything this week, the business would be fine. Yeah. Whatever the business is would continue to run without us. Um, you know, so we're just, we're just there providing additional value over the years on top of, you know, the basics. Actually making things better. Although I got to say, yeah, crisis management is addictive, you know, at least sure. you know what you're doing every day. Like, yeah, you feel like you've done stuff at the end of the day. I worked hard all day today. Like, it, it's so much easier to be 
in that crisis mode than it is to actually think about what's the best use of my time. It, yeah. You know, it kind of sounds like someone with a drug problem though. Yeah. It's an, it's an addiction, <laughs> but it's also, I think it's <laughs> exactly. an excuse, right? It's an, I don't want to think. I just want to fight fires. It's so much easier because I know, you know, I always know I'm working on the right thing. As opposed to actually that considered thought of what is our next priority? Nothing's broken. Everyone's alive. Nobody's screaming. What can we make better today? I think it's a far more thoughtful process than, you know, just put out the fire that the most senior guy is screaming about. Yeah. And, and it requires self-motivation, I think, is kind of the tough part. Um, you, you know, when there's not a fire, you have to have a vision and start working towards that vision. And yeah, you're not going to get a pat on the back that day. Um, it's going to take a little while right, to really show that value. But when you do, you know, you've, you've actually, you know, at the end of the year, when it comes to performance review time, you can actually point back and say, here's how I made things better. I didn't sure. just maintain the status quo. Um, but I think part of that is a good instrumentation, like you said, is you know how long it took to provision a VM before you started. You know how long it takes now. And they, you know, that's yeah. sort of a measure that shows you've made progress. Yeah. So also yeah, going to, you know, as soon as you provide a self-provisioning system for developers, your next problem is I need a system to clean up after developers. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Those, those two projects kind of have to go hand in hand. Yeah, uh, for sure. It's, uh, <laughs> otherwise you end up with a, a different problem. Um, and I'm also and, not and opposed to the political capital you get out of hanging since DevOps is currently, you know, the hot word in management these days, you probably could take advantage of that to get initiatives, get funding around improving that system because, uh, you know, it's improving our DevOps capability, sir. Yeah. It's, um, so I just heard a term last week. Uh, I was at the Pluralsight Author Summit and someone used the term cloud washing. Cloud washing, which is, have you heard this term? No. So the way they described it to me was cloud washing is, um, and we don't see it as much anymore, uh, but about five years ago, every product all of a sudden had the word cloud on it. Right. You know, so you'd have, um, you'd have calculator cloud, you know, cloud edition. Right. And it was the same calculator you always used. It was just now labeled cloud edition. Um, it, you know, uh, your your uh, your colo that would provide VMs for you. All of a sudden, those were cloud VMs, ah. uh, just because they were VMs, virtual machines, you know. And I think we we're now doing the DevOps washing, which is everything that we can possibly slap the DevOps label on is now DevOps, right? Which is good on the one hand, if you're yeah, I mean, if you know what they say that the most dangerous thing is the Seatback magazine in the 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 flight seat that your CEO is sitting on, right? Uh, so you know, go go with the go with the marketing trends, and you know, start calling things DevOps, and you'll get the funding you need for it. Just make sure you're. I, so going back to the, my original point was, to me, DevOps is whatever your company needs, right? Uh, in solving you know solving that problem that in that gap between development and IT, and, and so you know. Some people, sometimes it feels kind of odd saying, you know, providing a portal where developers can spin up a VM is DevOps. Yeah, you know, I, I think the purists might argue with that being a DevOps type function. Uh, but if it's the thing that's keeping your, your IT organization from growing, uh, then 
I think it, it fits perfectly in that category. Sure. It, as long as it's actually moving the system forward. But I think, you know, you've, you're describing uh, an IT guy or, you know, a DevOps guy, the person who's going to be in that role, just walking around trying to find things that aren't as efficient as they could be. Yeah. Although I think they often come out and they're pretty obvious. Right. You'll go out to lunch with a developer. If yeah. you're an IT guy, go out to lunch with a developer. If you're a developer, go out to lunch with an IT guy. And just listen to them and complain. Yep. Trade some uh, stories. And it will become quickly apparent what the problems are. Yeah, and how often does that... You know, I've met organizations where they can't even get each other on the phone. It's like, send me a memo. Do you want to get lunch? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, you know, there are environments that get so poisonous. Yeah, I, I'm lucky. I've, ne- I've never been in something quite that bad. I don't, I don't really have an answer for that, but... Uh, I think 99% of the people listening right now, uh, the environment they're in is simply one of they just need to stand up and walk across the hall. Uh, I, I think the barrier to 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 starting a relationship with the other half, the opposite side of the aisle, is extremely low. Uh, everyone eats, uh, you know, it's, 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 I don't think it's as difficult. It's just not, it's not what, what we as a community have been patted on the back for our entire careers. We've been patted on the backs because we can fix technical things, not right. because we can fix relationships. Um, and, but at a certain point in your career, that becomes in a lot of ways more important than, than the technical. You know, I remember when I was in my early 20s, I could tell you everything there was to know about, say, Windows Server 2000. And I can't anymore. And it's not because Windows Server has gotten bigger. It's just because I have a life. I have kids. I have, you know, I've been through like five different Windows Server versions now. Um, And without a doubt, Windows has gotten way bigger. But that's not the point. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But I I think more, it's more of a, the, the young, you know, I call them kids now. And, uh. You know, they they just technically they know more as you move up in your career, uh, whether it's, you know, whether you're getting into management and leading people or whether you just want to maintain, uh, you know, you just want to be a really strong technical contributor. You've got to expand past the technical, you know, facts because someone younger and and, you know, doesn't sleep as much is going to be able to beat you at that. So you've got to <laughs> move past that and get to the, you know. The experience and the getting the right people to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And that's how you really are able to solve bigger problems um, as you as you move up in your career. Yeah, there is this sort of point where it's like you're now about making everybody around you better rather than just trying to be you. It, I actually quoted you. Oh, I, you. I was on a one-on-one a couple of weeks ago. And I don't remember what episode it was. The, the quote from you was, you said, I know my work is good. And I'm paraphrasing here. I yeah. know my work is good. My goal is to make our work good. Right. Or something along those lines. And it, I thought it was, I was, I'm going to stitch it on a pillowcase and sell them. But it, it's, it's, it's the perfect example of, you know, you've got on a team, you've got people who are really strong. Technically, you've got people who are really strong, um, kind of from the more softer skills. And, you know, the really, really good teams are the ones that bring all that together and make our work better, not 
my work better. Right. Value the differences between them. Take advantage of them. There's nothing wrong with a strong tech guy. Absolutely not. No, I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not downplaying the need for strong technical abilities. It's it's the bringing that together with another skill set is what really makes someone a superstar. You know, wh- what made Mark Zuckerberg extremely successful is not his PHP coding skills. Right. What What made Bill Gates successful was not his programming skills. It was... For both of them, it was programming skills plus some business savvy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being an artist is great. If you can paint, that's amazing. If you can do it in Photoshop, well, now you've got a really diverse skill um, that is highly desirable. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing knowing Windows Server inside and out is an amazing skill, and it's incredibly useful. If you can do that, and understand software development lifecycle and bring those two things together, all of a sudden now you're highly, a highly desirable um, uh, employee. You fall nicely into the, the pieces that need to be brought together. In that case, yeah. You know, then, then you're a great candidate for a DevOps team. Right. So you've been doing this for a while inside of this organization. Uh, when is the DevOps team just become operations and development? Like, is it still just a subsect of the overall group? Um, so in, in my organization, the DevOps team is a sub team of the larger operations team. Right. Um, and it has been made up of some people from, some of us originally came from the IT side of the house and some of us originally came from the development side of the house. Right. Um, and I'm actually looking, you know, my desire would be to, to poach another developer because um, we're probably a little stronger on the IT side. Mm-hmm. I, I think the question was kind of long term, where does the DevOps team fit? How does that get to be everybody? Oh, how does it get to be everybody? Yeah. Um, so I guess the question, I guess the, your, the assertion is that it should be everyone. Yeah, I guess that's a good question. I think there's a continuum. Um, I think as long as you have on-prem, you're always going to need... The data center guy. And as long as you're building custom software, you're always going to need the hardcore developer. Yep. You're going to need the, the C sharp guy. The, to me, that's, those people are fine. They, they, you know, we're going to need those, those extreme skill sets on both sides. And then we just need to, to fill in the continuum. Um, so I don't think, I don't think it ever is everyone. Uh, I, I, I think the, the philosophy is, you know, take away from that hardcore developer. The burdens on him, right? Like spending the three days to get a VM, um, so that he can do what he's really good at for the company, which is writing C sharp code. So, if I hear um, you correctly, I, you're you're the DevOps guys are the guys that are looking at processes and finding ways to make them go faster, so that the other folks are more and more productive. That's how I see it. I I, I buy into that, Steve. That's really an interesting way to think about it. I you know. Th- that, and, I, and I do really buy this idea that we should always be looking at the process and say, is this the best one we can do? Is it make sense to improve it? With eventually getting diminishing returns. You know, it's not, nobody's sure. going to care if your VM is provisioned in two minutes rather than five minutes. <laughs> you know, at what point does it not matter anymore? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, or if, if you think of it from a troubleshooting perspective, you know, it, how much value is there in defining a process for the bad thing that happens once every five years? Right. You know, start with the thing that happens every other day. 
you know, the failure that happens on a regular basis and then move from there. Um, but you know, at my company, we have a, about a hundred, 120 people inside of it. Um, so that's, that's development, it support, um, et cetera. Right. If they were all DevOps, you know, that, I don't think that makes sense. Maybe at a startup where you've got, you know, 10 technical people, maybe at that, you know, maybe that's a different ball game. To me, uh, having a hundred people doing DevOps in a hundred and five person, uh, technical organization, I don't think is the right strategy. Interesting. All right. I'll buy it. Steve, thanks so much for talking to me. Thanks a lot, Richard. And we'll talk to you next week on Run As Radio. Radio.